And as a marketer, you need to bring the two together. What is the pain point? What does the experience look like? How do you address the pain point in the first five seconds or the first 10, 15 seconds? Bring them to the aha moment. And what are the things that you think the customer will benefit that they would go then and try out the next step and the next step and so on? B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Maduka Kumar, who's CMO of Single Store. Maduka, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Now, I've given an introduction, but that was pretty much limited to a job title and a company name, which I'm sure does not do you justice whatsoever. So um, for the benefit of those people that aren't familiar with you, um, Please, the floor is yours if you could give maybe the 30-second overview of Maduka. Yeah, of course. And given my age, I think 30 seconds may not be enough, but I'll try. We'll extend <laughs> to 45 seconds. We're very generous here. So, uh, Yeah, I'm kidding. So I actually started off my career as a journalist. I was working in Hindustan Times in Delhi back in the 1990s on the city beat. Uh, I was a crime reporter. And there I figured out a way how to make web pages. So while I was making web pages, we we figured out like, hey, let's take the entire, there's a couple of friends. Uh, we said, hey, let's take the entire newspaper edition and turn it into a website every day. So that became the first digital HT.com, which later on turned into HindustanTimes.com. But it got me into the world of uh, computers and computer science. So I came to the US, I did my master's in journalism and mass communication, but I was teaching web design. And then I said, you know what, I really like this whole thing about computers and software. So I ended up doing my master's in software engineering, became a developer. I moved to the Bay Area and then uh, from a developer, I became a product manager. I I ran product strategy in a couple of uh, places, including Oracle where I did a lot of work around, you know, customer experience, suite of products, and then finally from product management into product marketing. So uh, today I feel one thing that I do, which I don't see quite a lot, is mixing both software engineering as well as product management. And by that, what I mean is when you're in marketing, it's not just about the mechanics of marketing. It's also about understanding the technology and getting your hands dirty with the code to drive growth, but also to understand and talk to developers who might be your your ICPs. So that's more than 60 seconds of my introduction. uh, But I'm I'm happy that we did indulge you there. I mean, I think that that is an intimidating portfolio of experience you've had i'm sure for most marketers the fact that you're a marketer and can dabble in code well more than dabble by the sounds of it but working code um i think was is a definitely a huge advantage but what i really liked is your origins as a journalist now we have had uh, marketers who started life as a journalist before but i think that you win given that you had a crime reporting job i think that absolutely <laughs> means that you you take the prize there that that's absolutely fantastic but from crime reporting um 
all the way through to product-led growth strategies, which is what mm-hmm. we are going to be talking about today. And I think there'll be probably varying levels of understanding amongst um, the, the marketing community, but this is obviously a concept which is very familiar for those of people that work within SaaS particularly. Um, but from what I understand uh, and from what I have seen, the role of marketing within a product-led growth strategy is not fully understood. And therefore, to kick off the conversation, I'd like to give you the provocative truth that with companies that are pursuing a product-led growth strategy, marketers are not really realizing the role that they need to play and the potential that marketing can have in accelerating a product-led growth strategy. Is that something you would agree with? I agree. And I think one of the provocative truths about product-led growth is that it's not just marketing. It's actually a combination of code and product management, which seems like a very happy coincidence for me to be part of. But if you think about it, product-led growth is, I also think of it as, you know, haptic marketing in many ways. So what does that mean? Well, imagine uh, that you're walking around in a mall and you happen to pass by a perfume store or a cookie store. And if they offer you something for free, you try it on your own. And once you can imagine what your life would be with that product, you are more vested into this entire value system. So the same thing is with product-led growth. In fact, my daughter, when I was shopping with her once, she told me, dad, don't touch any of these stuff because I've read that if you, as soon as you touch it, you are more likely to purchase it. And so product-led growth is kind of like that where if you try out a product and the product is great for your needs, then you're more likely to buy it and you're more likely to you know, tell about that product to your other, uh, to your other colleagues and friends as well. So I think that's where, that's where uh, product-led growth is. So if you zoom out of it, it's just not the marketing side of getting people into the store. It's also about the product experience. Like, what does it feel like? Or what is it, uh, you know, what does the experience look like when somebody's trying out the product? And then on top of that, if you add the automation piece or the code piece, which is what I call as code growth, then you can scale up. Then you know if you're talking to the right people, you know if they're doing the right thing for not just coming and trying out your product, but also adoption. So to answer your question long, but an answer, it's a combination of product management plus marketing and some engineering as well. And it's, it's, it's interesting you talk there about almost the, the jurisdiction of marketing. And there's the traditional understanding that marketing's role is around new customer, new client, whatever you want to call it, acquisition. You know, bringing new yeah. people in, providing messages which bring people to the, the product or, or whatever the, the service might be. Um, but you're talking about how the jurisdiction of marketing needs to extend into thinking about that whole product and user experience. From your perspective, how well equipped are marketers to be able to successfully operate in that space? I think it it depends because it's such a, marketers is such a wide term, I would say. Mm depends on who you're talking to. I see marketing as two or three different aspects of um, things that you do on a day-to-day basis. One is the creative aspect, right? And that's the human aspect where creatively you're trying to connect with another human 
And of course, that's where storytelling comes in. And storytelling is not just about writing or making videos or doing podcasts. It's also in the story you tell when somebody's trying your product. The second piece is purely around mechanics, which is I'm going to use this tool or that tool. I'm going to go to these watering holes and I'm going to talk about my product and get people to get interested in my product and then come over, right? So that's the second piece of it. And then the third piece is just the systems and technology. Like, how do you ensure that the product experience of somebody coming in matches your vision? And how do you know if people are not falling off after signing up? And how do you, you know, understand and make changes to that in real time? So I would say, depends on who you're talking to and which product and which retail. But I do feel largely, and again, it's, it's a very broad statement, but largely a lot of marketers focus on the acquisition of the users, not so much on adoption. And I think that's changing now, at least in SaaS or technology space. And for those those marketers that are starting to sort of shift towards looking at adoption, are they marketers that come from a traditional marketing background or are they potentially people that come from more of a product background, for instance, like yourself, um, that are moving into marketing? I think it's a, it's a combination. I, on one hand, I do see some exceptional folks in marketing who are very creative and they are exceptional learners and then they apply the mechanics to the product. And then of course, there are people who are like me, who would have had some technical background or technology background, and then you add creativity to it. And then on top of that, you end up uh, building like a real solid PLG. If you look at single store where I'm currently working at, we have a combination. We have product managers in the team, we have growth engineers in the team, and then we have uh, marketers in the team as well. So irrespective of whether a marketer can do everything or not, you could still have the vision and then assemble a cross-sectional team where you, and this is what we do at Single Store as well, where you meet like on a daily, or not a daily, but on a weekly basis. And you know what your goals are, you know what everybody's supposed to do, but you meet together to say, okay, for the next week, this is what we're doing for acquisition. This is what we're doing for adoption. And then you continue to experiment and iterate on that. And you talked, it was interesting, you said there that marketers actually can have the vision and then, you know, working with other teams to actually bring that to, to real, realization. Um, when, you, when you're looking at, I mean, we're talking about product like growth strategy and inherent in that is going to be that there is, there's innovation, there's iteration of the product and the product experience. Um, what advice would you give to marketers to be able to, play an active role in driving forward that um, sort of innovation agenda within uh, products? Yeah, I think the biggest, uh, this is, I would say, is one of the trade secrets that I wish was not a trade secret, which is as a marketer, you have to be the user as well. Mm -hmm. So before you come up with any strategy or any acquisition campaign or even adoption campaign, I always like to go use the product. And that's where a lot of people will say, okay, that's where empathy is. And you know, that's where walking a mile in the shoes of customer comes in. But at the end of the day, it's about being just like one of your users and understanding the problem space and understanding what would be a better 
experience for trying out the product. So in my, my advice would be before you do anything, just go try out the product, your own product that you're trying to market or sell. And if it so happens that you're probably not that user, let's say it's a medical device, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something that probably you cannot use then go talk to at least 60 or 70 customers who have used your product or in that space before you come up with everything, uh, before you come up with a strategy. So in my mind, I feel like uh, the basis of any product-led growth starts with two big pillars. First is your product, but the other one is your customer or your prospect. And as a marketer, you need to bring the two together. What is the pain point? What does the experience look like? How do you address the pain point in the first five seconds or the first 10, 15 seconds? Bring them to the aha moment. And what are the things that you think the customer will benefit that they would go then and try out the next step and the next step and so on? So that's what I would say would be my advice is go go be the user, go be the prospect, go be the customer of your own product. And with a product-led growth strategy, you know, inherently within that, um, you're going to be sort of, talking about how the the features of that product answer a particular need or quite a defined need of that that user and so therefore from a marketing perspective a lot of that messaging would be around that that feature and that benefit fundamentally i'm interested from your perspective how do marketers successfully balance the role of brand within a product-led growth strategy Yeah, I think, again, it comes back to brand is, in my mind, in several ways, a way to connect with your customers through emotions. Mm -hmm. And that emotion typically could be of delight. It could be of, uh, oh, my God, this is something that I've been waiting for that I wish I had seen earlier. So from that perspective, I feel, uh, you know, when you are a marketer and thinking about a product-led growth, the brand experience encompasses a lot bigger than just the product-led growth piece. So what do I mean by that? For example, if somebody first wants to understand what is single store, today you can have a bunch of different places where you can go and see it. Like we have a billboard on uh, 101 in the Bay Area, this is where I live. And it's always a little bit provocative and it's a little bit funny and it's always poking fun at others as well as ourselves. So that's your first experience about the brand. Like, oh, who are these guys? They seem to be uh, a little bit, uh, you know, edgy in terms of what they say or what their point of view is. Maybe I'll go, go ask and figure out a little bit more. So as part of the brand awareness, then when you go and talk to somebody, you kind of see that reflection come back. And then finally, when you're trying out the product, you're not necessarily telling a story by writing poetic things of how to use the product. It is the experience of the product. The story is being told by how you use the product. So for example, if you came in, Benny, and and let's say you were from um, marketing analytics group, Mm -hmm. then what we would ask you is like, hey, what, what are you looking to do here? And if your answer is, I'm trying to figure out how to do real-time analytics, for example, then the experience should be more customized or personalized towards you. It shouldn't be showing you retail stuff. And then it should tell you, along with education, 
what are the things that you could take advantage of in the first 10 seconds so that you don't lose attention and walk away so so i think that's that's kind of the whole essence of a product led growth is that your brand awareness and brand experience is all tied together with your product experience and that is tied together with your onboarding experience and how you go in and you know sign up and all the way to how you pay for the product as well and you know i think that is a a truism regardless of whether you're working within software you're working with more traditional analog um, solutions and services is that fundamentally a brand experience should be consistent through all touch points and of course the experience of the service or the product itself therefore has to be reflective of that um i'm just wondering if almost just to flip it on its head as much as anything else you know we we're talking about a product-led growth strategy and how brand might fit into that Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, how how often or how successfully have you taken a brand led product development strategy? Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, a brand is so much more than the, you know, the visual identity. A brand is all about the the promise ultimately that you're making to your your audience and it's the defining characteristics and identity of the the organization you have. So I'm just interested to know is how often does that brand strategy actually um, influence that product development in your uh, experience? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. So, and very topical and top of the mind too, because this is what we're doing at Single Store. So, so let me give you a little bit of background of what Single Store is. Single Store is a real-time analytics database. So let's say if you're Uber or DoorDash or if you're Hulu, and you are trying to take millions of information that's coming in and you want to make it actionable so that you can turn it into you know, surge pricing or offers that's custom mm -hmm. and so on, you need data analytics in a split second, right? So that's what single store as a database does. But it's also MySQL compatible. And more recently, well, well actually not more recently, but we've had support for something called Vectors, which enables us to be also a real-time AI database. So if you look at our, our brand promise, we are a database in many ways is like electricity or it's like the internet connection. And there are over 300 databases in the market. So who are the users of database? It are basically developers who are app builders, or it could be data scientists who are looking at data and then trying to you know cull out insights out of that and then build out dashboards. But they want to use that data to do something with it, like take action on it so that they can affect their customers in a positive way. So our brand promise is that we help developers and makers build amazing apps that can take advantage of real-time data. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we, we have this campaign called Made on Single Store, which is primarily it doesn't talk about the feed and speed of the database. It talks about the amazing applications, including the generative AI applications that you can build on top of single store. So when you sign up for single store today, what we do is we have a, we have a variety of what we call as pre-baked notebooks that you can just select in the first try and it'll give you the code for the entire application, for entire Gen AI application in the first 10 seconds. Or if you want to look at the database speed itself, 
then we spin up a new database with you know thousands of records of a marketing technology and you can walk through that entire onboarding experience and be able to see how it gives you a few milliseconds of response time for this. So our brand promise starts from made on single store. We are not in the database business, we are in the app business. Mm-hmm. We talk about customers who've built some amazing apps. Thorn is one example, Nyris is another example, happy to talk about what they do. And then when you come and try the experience, it is about those pre-baked applications that we have built as starters and templates. And our goal is to have hundreds of those from a community. So you can go build out the application in the least amount of time, and it gives you your benefits and the maximum amount of uh, value. So that's how I think the brand promise and the product-led experience all come together. And as I, as I said earlier, I think that this, the sooner companies realize the role that brand can play in directing them, directing their acquisition strategy, directing their product development strategy, directing their sort of uh, configuration of, of portfolios and market penetration, the, the better, because what often happens is products are developed or um, acquisitions are made in a very organic way. They don't yeah. necessarily follow that that discipline, which having a very, very clear brand promise and a brand identity can actually help facilitate. Um, so if we would just sort of, sort of take a step back and you know, be thinking again around sort of product-led growth strategy, um, what would be, I suppose, the, the one or two bits of really key bits of advice that you would give to any marketer that is working in an organization which is adopting a product-led growth strategy so they can understand the role that they can play? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first and foremost is, um, like we talked about, making sure you have the user experience right. Mm-hmm. And I think some great examples are Figma, I think Canva, Slack. When I'm going and trying out these products, there's almost zero friction for me to go sign up and try it out. So there's Mm -hmm. sign up with Google, sign up with Microsoft and so on. But once I'm in the product, it feels like somebody is uh, keeping an eye on what I'm doing in a positive way and guiding me along saying, hey, by the way, this thing over here, if you click on this, it will do this for you. And the really good product-led companies will show you the benefit in the first three steps, right? So that's one thing is to get the user experience down. And there are a bunch of different tools that allow you to, you know, really optimize it. The second thing, which I think is uh, very neglected is the entire data flow of that user experience from a marketer's perspective. So, Typically what happens is as as marketers, we get deep into the creativity side, we get deep into the mechanics of acquisition and maybe even for user experience. But then when you ask, okay, what happened when somebody signed in? Where did that data go? After they signed in, what happened when they clicked on this button? Do I know how many people clicked on that button? And do I know what will happen if I change that button to a green button? And how do I know that certain people are dropping off at this level. And that's where the marketing technology and the tech stack comes in, which I think is highly overlooked. And typically what happens is, this is mostly a reactive way of doing things, is, oh, we need a great email marketing tool. Let's go and have uh, blah. 
we need a great uh, monitoring tool. Let's go and add blah. And we need a great um, you know, CRM, so let's go and add that. And what ends up happening over a period of time is that when you hit growth, that starts to drive more complexity because now the same user is sitting in five different databases or five different tables or five different systems. And you have no clue of what that user experiences because now you're sending emails to somebody who's probably already a customer or somebody mm -hmm. who dropped off worse and is probably unhappy and you're still sending them emails which really destroys your brand. So that's the second thing, is to understand the tech stack and be intentful and mindful of what tech stack you are applying in building out a PLG stack. If something exists, uh, my typical, you know, uh, modus operandi in that is, start from a clean slate, slate of, uh, you know, thinking where you take an existing user or a new user and then follow through and see how do you want to mm -hmm. see it, uh, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. So that's the second thing I would say. And the third thing is just the brand, right? You you want you want that brand to come across in the writing for your onboarding, in the ads that you're doing, in the blogs that you're doing, in even the messages that show up in the product-led growth. They should be all simplistic and useful to the end user versus just being there because you want to tell your story. So those are three things I would say are the most important in my mind. And, and you, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it in passing just uh, earlier but around generative AI. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I just wonder almost just to sort of close out the conversation, um, what do you think are the, the big applications of generative AI within product-led growth strategies or product-led growth approach rather? Yeah, so one thing that we have done at Single Store and was unthinkable a few months ago is you can talk to your database, your growth database in plain English. So for example, what using LLMs, what I can do is I can say, hey, tell me, tell me how many users came into my trial in the last 10 minutes and tell me which one of them used this feature of the database. And then what I can do is I can say for these users, I want you to craft a very simplistic message saying here are some additional resource of what you can do next. So it brings LLMs and generative AI can bring personalization to one-on-one -on -one level provided you use it and you control it in a way that is tied to the actual data usage and it's not just spray and pray which used to be earlier. And you know, just talking about the customization in general, it used to be that your email automation tool, for example, would have some sort of tokenization. So it would be, hello, first name, I saw you're working for brackets, company, blah, blah, blah. And then the rest of the text is almost identical that you send to everybody, except that you change the name and the company name. With LLM, you can actually change the entire message and not just the entire message for an email, but you could do that especially for in-app notifications and also for the entire onboarding experience. So, so that's like one huge advantage. The other thing I would say is it brings like massive amounts of automation opportunities into your entire stack. So for example, if somebody comes in and they want to have a Q&A or want to have a conversation about what does your product do, 
I can automate a meeting. I can even automate sending that meeting to the right person in the team, mm -hmm. setting up a calendar invite, and then making sure that when they attend the meeting, I also transcribe it and then use that data back into for my own training purposes within my company, of course, with yeah. permission. Mm -hmm. So I would say the opportunities are just uh, huge with LMMs. I mean, I've I, I would agree. I think it is, it's transformative, really. If you think about what makes the biggest difference um, you know, from a user experience perspective is that feeling of um, personalization and attentiveness. And yeah. what AI is enabling is that personalization that you've described and also an attentiveness to your needs, um, which could never be replicated by manual human processes. So I think, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that is truly a game changer um, in terms of how you can control the user experience. Um, I mean, this has been a really, really fascinating and very, very informative conversation. But before I go, I, um, I can't let you leave without asking our house question which is, when was the last time that you saw some marketing that made you feel it in your guts? Something that moved you on a deep emotional level, whether it's created by a human or created by a generative AI? I think the answer is very cliche, but it's typically anything that Apple does. Like, even if you think about what they, there's so many nuances to it. They, first of all, never compared themselves to an existing technology. They would brand it, they would have a different name and they would have a different way of doing things, which is mm. the app. And I think a lot of that is just brand itself, right? And so they have one you know, announcement and uh, keynotes coming up on September 12th, I believe, and they're gonna announce a bunch of new products. But if you look at the amount of detail that goes into telling that story, all the way to when you buy the product, or even if you try the product, the experience is identical and it's very consistent and it's useful to the user. It's not, a, it's not just about the beauty, which is an added benefit, but it draws some emotion about you. It draws some emotion about why, why should I be using this product? It tells you a little bit about yourself. It tells you a little bit about what you uh, look for when you're you know, opening a product and things like that. So it's the entire experience from all the way from making a purchase to opening the package to using it for the first time and then looking at the ads that eventually talk about it. it that's that's like a perfect example. Uh, I mean, I think that's a, it's a very elegant example, given that what we have just been talking about and specifically the role of marketing, because I think you can see the role of marketing within clearly obviously the adverts within doing uh, for, for Apple, but that whole journey and every single touch point, as you said, the, the packaging, the, the product information, arguably the product itself, yeah. you can see the hallmarks of a, somebody who is obsessed and understands their end user and their, their audience. Um, and is also someone that's very, very conscious of the brand and how the brand needs to show up. And I think that the, the key thing that I've almost taken from this when we're talking about sort of a product-led growth strategy is that marketing's role is so important because they are clearly the brand custodians. And I think that's a territory which they would be very comfortable in. But in an increasingly digital world where the touch points are digital, you don't have the same sort of salesperson being a representative of the company. Marketing are also the custodian of the user as well. 
Um, and I think that the input which marketing can provide within product development with that sort of um, acute understanding of the, the user is absolutely vital. So yeah, I think really, really, as I said, very, very informative conversation. And I think um, it's a really poignant message around the role of marketing within product-led growth. So Maduka, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very, very much for joining me on the podcast. Likewise, thank you. Thank you for having me. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening. Thank you.